to Purdue Crop Chat, a regular podcast from Hoosier Ag Today and the Purdue University Extension Service, featuring Purdue Extension soybean specialist Dr. Sean Castile and Extension corn specialist Dr. Dan Quinn. Indiana crops are growing, so on this 20th episode, Sean and Dan join host Eric Pfeiffer and talk about what to look for when you're out scouting corn and soybean fields. Go out R1, R2, and like, okay, how how's our canopy? I like it green to die by the 4th of July. I want that canopy closed by the time we're starting to flower. If I'm seeing a little bit of nitrogen deficiency, I'm seeing a little bit of sulfur deficiency, especially that side dress timing. Now on Purdue Crop Chat, episode 20, your host, who's your ag today's Eric Pfeiffer. Welcome into the Purdue Crop Chat Podcast. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, and I'm joined by the stars of the show, Sean Castile, Purdue Extension Soybean Specialist. Hello, Sean. Howdy, Eric. And also a new star of the show, Dan Quinn is here, Purdue Extension Corn Specialist. Hello, Dan. Hey, Eric. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about just where these corn and soybean crops are. And and let's start with corn, Dan. 73% good to excellent here in the state of Indiana. Uh, based on what you're seeing, do you agree with that number? Uh, I, I'm assuming yes, based on our last podcast when things were moving pretty well. Yeah, I think overall, across the state, the corn's looking pretty good. You know, I knock on wood at this time that it kind of hopefully stays that way. Uh, but 73% good to excellent at this time of the year is actually pretty good um, to the higher end of what we've seen in years past. Um, also, that corn is pretty much in everywhere across the state, so about 97% planted as well. But so far, that corn crop, from what we're seeing, from what we're seeing from our agents across the state, a uh, call we had yesterday, it was consistently, corn looks good, corn looks good. Um, a few spots maybe in the northern part of the state where has been a little bit dry they've gotten a little bit colder um, but overall across the state corn's looking pretty good right now and sean soybeans 74 percent good to excellent you agree of course i mean it's better than the corn so i mean we're one percent better so i mean the, the, i definitely agree with that no doubt uh no both crops and again on the soybean front i think uh, do look quite good i think that we've had a, a season where we had planting potential issues that really erased away. Uh, we had some pretty good plantings early into the April period and had some of those potential cold injury, but we didn't really have much issues there. Stand establishment's been good. So yeah, I think as far as a upfront June kind of rating, yeah, this is as good as we're going to get. And uh, yes, definitely knock on wood. You know, this is where things just, you know, go down pretty quick, you know, Purdue agronomists say things look great, and then it just tails. But um, no, this is this is a great start. You know, we've got to do the whole season, but having stands established in what areas that were poor, they're just the Swiss cheese holes that we normally have. You know, replants done and kind of thing, and so those are very very minimal from what I could tell. And uh, yeah, we're getting into a phase of uh, beans are growing rapidly. Uh, hopefully, get some good herbicide timings in, and and then uh, we look to okay, are we transitioning into good root development and nodule formation and fixation. That was the next question, Sean, is where we're at development, uh, developmentally with this crop. It, it sounds like you just kind of explained it, but uh, is there anything more there? Yeah, I, so I, I often talk about this time of, of the soybean's life as the awkward stage of life. It's just that this teenager that's growing, uh, growing so fast that there's not enough milk in the fridge. You get like 
three gallons a week for one kid kind of thing, right? And so uh, they're gangly. They look weird. Um, I was that kid, so I can say that. Um, but with that, uh, the soybeans themselves have this off-green color, this pale green color, uh, typically at this point. And, and usually growth stage-wise, we're talking V2, V3, so two to three trifoliates expanded. And the, they're that off-green color. And what's really occurring on those those beans is a transition from a nitrogen supply that's from from the soil that has been enough up to that point, but they're growing so fast and they're hitting that linear phase of growth that they're deficient. So there isn't enough milk in the fridge, so to speak. And so they're deficient in nitrogen right now, but that's a very temporary thing. Seven to 10 days, fairly common. They'll, they'll turn around and be nice dark green. And so what, what's occurring at that point is the nodules that have been forming for the last four or five weeks, six weeks in some cases, are finally getting to the point that they're fixing nitrogen from the atmosphere and supplying that nitrogen for the bean crop. And so, you know, what I'd like to do, I think this is going to be, you know, a broken record for me, and it has been for years, is, you know, dig up the plants. Let's see what the root systems look like and are the nodules starting to be active. And so that's kind of where we're at developmentally. Um, and, and with that, you know, it becomes an issue if, you know, we go V4, V5, and there's still this off green pale color and nitrogen deficient. So we need to be saying, okay, is there issues with nodulations or issues with fixation? And to try to address it from there. Dan, what about corn? Where are we developmentally? Um, overall, we're kind of, again, coming off of Sean, kind of a lot of that corn is also in kind of that awkward phase where we've seen specifically where corn the last week or so when we got a lot cooler and starting to warm up again is seeing that yellowish green corn. Um, but corn development-wise is kind of a little bit across the board, depending on if folks were able to plant earlier April or if they're still trying to finish up now or we're able to finish here in mid-April. So, But we're overall kind of in that V3 to V4, V5 stages. Um, a lot of folks are really getting into side-dressed, uh, post-herbicide applications as well. Uh, but that corn crop up until about V3 is using strictly those kernel reserves um, to support the photosynthesis of the plant. Um, and as that makes that transition from V3 into V4, it starts to make a transition where it's using more nodal roots. So moving from that seminal root system, which is the first primary root system, to the nodal root system, which becomes that primary root system, those brace roots throughout the season. Um, it can be in kind of an awkward phase as well. So if we get those cool temperature swings, those different temperature swings we've seen the last few weeks, we can see different colored corn. I've seen purple corn. I've seen a lot of yellowish green corn um, because it's kind of, again, in that awkward phase, mm -hmm. a lot like soybeans, where if they don't have adequate growing conditions, it just kind of doesn't have that you know really nice green shine that you're looking for. But now that temperatures have warmed up, we're getting some more sun, uh, we've had some rain, that corn is really starting to take off across the state. It's getting looking a lot better. Um, a lot of reports just is my corn looks a lot better right now. Um, but we're entering that rapid growth phase um, where that corn is getting that shot of side-dressed nitrogen, and it's really getting set to take off for the rest of the season. So, again, hopefully those weather conditions continue, continue to have good soil moisture. Two, I'll kind of echo Sean as well as make sure you're just getting out in those fields at this time. Uh, one thing with corn that we don't have the luxury with as soybeans is corn can get really tall, gets over your head, it gets difficult to scout. Mm -hmm. so this time of year, able to walk fields, you can see those problems, you can kind of maybe address those problems early on, 
or when you're into that later in the season, when the yield monitor is maybe not coming in what you thought it was going to come in, you can kind of pinpoint better at this time where those problems were. So scouting your fields, digging roots, mm-hmm. seeing those root growth, um, and just understanding, do I have problems? Do I need to address them? You know, how can this potentially impact yield later in the season? Dan, I, I dare say with this timing, of, a lot of side dress has gone on from what I've seen, and maybe there's still some more to go. Mm-hmm. But in scouting those fields, the windshield scouting to the, the bird in there, right, the, and yeah. just eyes to look at it. So if we've got a starter system, I, I think this is a prime time, right? So do we have issues or not? Do we need to make an adjustment on our side dress, right? Yeah. And so I, I think that's one thing to definitely consider. Uh, one question I have is, you know, when we're doing the side dressing, and we have dry soil, is there any issues with uh, that nitrogen availability uh, where it's going to be there in the band or it's just uh, be patient, wait for rain? Is there any issues to consider with those side dress applications? And let's just go dry soil. Yeah, I think first thing with side dress applications is how you're applying it. So if you're putting it on the soil surface, you know, I'm going to be a little bit concerned that there could be some volatilization of that nitrogen, whether a lot of folks are applying that UAN. Um, which is about 50% urea, 50% nitrate. Um, But if you're applying it on that soil surface and you're looking at that forecast and it's supposed to be 90 and sunny, um, so potentially you may need some protection in that nitrogen. You may lose a little bit. Um, But if you're injecting it in the soil, we have that dry soil conditions. That nitrogen tends to stay there in that soil. Um, More so if we're injecting that nitrogen, we get heavy rainfall. That's where i kind of be a little bit more worried that we're losing a lot more nitrogen. But if you're able to get that nitrogen in that soil, we do have dry soil conditions. That nitrogen will hang out there. It's just we do need moisture in that soil to get those roots to where that nitrogen is. So that's something to be cautious of as well. But a lot of it has to do with how you're applying it and where in that soil surface or below that you're applying your nitrogen. I think that's one thing with both crops and any plant for that matter is, you know, roots don't grow in dry soil, right? And so, and then the the nitrogen that you're talking about, the side dress, it needs water to move and roots need to get into the the proximity of that. And so within all of this, you know, uh, Grandpa always said, I I like dry soil early. I don't want to have dry fields late. I want to get those plants rooted deep so they can access moisture later when we have a, a large demand for water. And so in that, I think that's one of the, the nice things that we have been seeing. The vast majority of the soybean, I dare say corn as well, even when it has been drying and it's getting hot in some of these places, that the roots are still in moisture and growing deeper. Now the question is, are they growing laterally enough to catch your side dress, right? Or it's just, okay, we can wait a little bit and we'll eventually catch up. So they might be a little awkward longer, a little ganglier longer, but then once they get that band, they just, they can just take off, right? Yeah, and I would, you know, not just nitrogen too, it's other nutrients, whether it be especially potassium, Mm. you know, just nutrients. The corn plant needs water to get those nutrients into the plant. So if we end up really dry, a lot of times you can see nitrogen deficiency, you can see potassium deficiencies. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because you have that nutrient there doesn't always mean that that corn plant will be able to take it up. It has to have moisture in order to take up that that uh, nutrient yeah i'll echo the same thing on soybeans i mean uh, potassium for instance i mean it moves by mass flow so mass flow so you've got to have that water to to move it into the system i'll go back on the the awkward stage of life of soybeans 
that are the pale green, seven to ten days will turn around. But if we're dry, if the soils are dry, uh, that actually takes longer. Uh, that's, that's one of the first processes hit in soybean development with dry conditions is nodulation and fixation of all the processes and the interactions. That's one of the first processes hit. And what I mean by that, it's, it's delayed. It's, we're not going to have as much fixation for a while. And so the seven to ten day normal turnaround period may get stretched out to 14 days or something if we're, we continue to be dry. Uh, again, I go with the idea that I'd rather have a root system nice down deep, and so I'll, I'll withstand that. But, again, if we're keeping on going to V4, V5s and starting to think about we're switching to flowering and we're nitrogen deficient, that's, that's where I get concerned. But, you know, I, I think this drier conditions early, the heat, I mean, we're going to be busting through growth stages like crazy. Um, you know, soybeans you know, respond to photo period, right? The night length and day length combination, but we respond to heat units as well. And so to have, you know, good sunlight and heat units, I think that we're going to advance. And so I'm, I'm anxious to see come flowering that, uh, Eric, that's the point I really like to go out to the bean fields is go out R1, R2 and like, okay, how, how's our canopy? I like it green to the eye by the 4th of July. I want that canopy closed by the time we're starting to flower. I, I like to count up the number of nodes and see how many we have because usually by R2, full bloom, we've got about half our nodes produced. And so if I'm counting up a 10-noded plant, I'm going to have a 20-noded plant by the end of the season. That's, that's a pretty good day. If I'm only counting a 7-noted plant at R2, it's going to be a little bit rougher. So, so Sean, I guess my question to you is, you know, I'm a corn guy. You know, we have an extra step in our crop where we've got to put our nitrogen on. You know, you mentioned soybean crop, you're hitting V4, V5, maybe flowering, and you're just not seeing the nodulation. You're just not seeing where that soybean crop is starting to green up. You know, is there any, you know, advice in that aspect? Is there any, you know, maybe we need to put on a little bit of nitrogen on our soybean? I know there's often some questions on that. Um, that's kind of a question I have. Yeah, that, that's a great one, and there's no silver bullet for all those combinations, but usually what I like to start off with, if we're still that pale green, let's go V5, and and we know shortly thereafter it, it moves a little bit whenever we're going to start flowering, depending on what maturity group you've planted, what time of the year, when it was planted. But at that point, if you're V5, you know you're going to be transitioned to flowering, reproductive development, and you're short on nitrogen, I don't like to be in that place. And so let's figure out the why. And so digging up the plants to see what the nodule load looks like. Um, are they, do you have nodules? Let's just start there, right? And if you don't, okay, there's some bigger issues to address. And we can kind of get through that and, and give a little bit of nitrogen a spoon feed. If we do have nodules in, um, but they're just small and they're still taking a while to develop, but they are coming on, a shot in the arm of nitrogen uh, is possible and, and could be beneficial. Now, people are, are like um, Sean Soybeans, you know, they're, they're lazy if there's nitrogen out there. And I, I kick them in the shorts on that one. I said, no, they're smart. If nitrogen's already there, they're going to use it because it doesn't cost them anything to do that. Whereas fixation, this, this process of a bacteria and the soybean roots interacting, it costs the plant energy, right? And so they're going to use nitrogen in the easiest form. If we're short on nodulation and fixation, but it's coming on and just delayed, a shot in the arm of, let's say, 30 to 40 pounds of nitrogen will be enough to kind of, okay, let's get nitrogen into the plant, get it to a sufficient level. We also will stimulate some of the overall growth, and so we can get through this kind of very short transient nitrogen deficiency while we're hoping 
and praying that the nodulation and fixation takes over. And so th that's the approach I, I would take. And I would go ahead at that point. In most of these fields, uh, I think the state and others have, have heard me talk about sulfur. It's not every field, but if you're already nitrogen deficient, let's go that V5, I think you're going to go out to do an application to kind of rescue it or the shot in the arm. I think you better put in some sulfur with it. And in that case, a nice scenario, again, depending on people's uh, availability, Ammonium sulfate is a nice source, so it has a little bit of nitrogen, it has our sulfur, it gets a shot in the arm of soluble sources once you have water to work it in, right? And so if you go out there with 20, 20 ish pounds of sulfur, uh, 24 or so of AMS, that's 100 pounds of product, right? And so then you'll get your 21 pounds of nitrogen. You could Probably be fine with that if you want to mix a little bit of urea to get the, the volume up, uh, up uh, 40 pounds of nitrogen, I think that would be fine. I wouldn't want to go anywhere north of that just for the cost, benefit, and returns. Um, we've actually done V4 applications in a, what I'll say just prophylactic manner of nitrogen high-yield management with 40 pounds of nitrogen and 10 pounds 10 pounds of sulfur, and we've been seeing 10 to 14 bushel responses on timely planted beans. Mm -hmm. And so in a nitrogen-deficient scenario, I think that's a, a beautiful yeah. beautiful approach. Yeah. And I, I guess I would echo that kind of on the sulfur topic too. Uh, we have been seeing some sulfur, sulfur deficiency in corn uh, showing up in parts of the state. Um, one thing with sulfur to note is that the sulfate ion can actually move as well. Mm -hmm. So if you're scouting, looking, you know, I'm kind of short on nitrogen potentially in my corn. We're hitting that side dress timing. I'm noticing some sulfur deficiencies as well. We could have lost some nit or some nitrogen and sulfur if we had heavy rains, depending on where we are, if we're in coarse textured soils. Um, so kind of thinking about, you know, if I'm seeing a little bit of nitrogen deficiency, I'm seeing a little bit of sulfur deficiency, especially that side dress timing. I know Bob and also Jim Camerato, the soil fertility specialists, have done a lot of work with side dress sulfur applications, actually seeing better responses of corn to side dress of that either ammonium thiosulfate or gypsum or ammonium sulfate, um, actually coming out at that side dress timing to get a good response from that corn crop. That's interesting. I've heard them say the same thing. And on the soybean front, again, I want to be clear, it's not every acre of soybeans, but you know, when we see some good responses on what I'll class as truly sulfur-deficient soils, those sandy loams, loamy sands, low organic matter, 2-ish percent or less, um, as well as uh, I alluded to, I mean, I'm talking a prairie soil, early planting, timely planting uh, response to sulfur. Our benefit on the soybean front is with the sulfur-applied uh, at planting or shortly thereafter to early growth stages. So it's interesting to me mm -hmm. to have a little bit of a difference between the two crops. I would anticipate that, you know, let's do a starter band. I mean, two inches by two inches. What could, why wouldn't that be better? But uh, apparently it's, it's about that life cycle of that corn crop and not needing as much. And maybe there's enough uh, mineralization what's there in the soil that uh, there's not a, an issue. Whereas soybeans, at least my, my take on the comparison is that soybeans need the sulfur for its own right of, plant nutrition but it also needs it for the the nodulation it's a cofactor so again we don't have to apply nitrogen but boy we want to make sure we stimulate our nitrogen supply and so that's where i i believe that that sulfur application pre-emergence or the very early stages of soybean is of greater benefit than than later you're listening to purdue crop chat with sean castile dan quinn and your host eric pfeiffer we've talked quite a bit about weather conditions and all in all knock on wood. They've been pretty good here in Indiana so far. Uh, not the case 
in some other parts of the Corn Belt, including the northwestern part of the Corn Belt. Uh, Sean, you just mentioned that you were on a call yesterday with someone in the in the Dakotas. Uh, yeah. Share that information because it, it's really interesting. It kind of seems like maybe here in Indiana, I mean, at least for the time being, we're in kind of a sweet spot from a weather standpoint. Yeah, I think uh, weather-wise, I mean, we've got a few pockets that are, quote, abnormally dry. But, again, I think we've already alluded to the fact that that's not bad. As long as we've got some moisture for roots to go down and set up that deep root system, I think that's a good thing. Uh, last week and yesterday, I was on the calls with um, some folks from Dakotas, and you know the Dakota was actually, uh, I think it was last Friday, where a bunch of soybean agronomists were talking, and they were the fastest planted rate state uh, at that point. So they had like 92 percent, or I can't remember. It was the highest rate, which you're like Dakotas really that far north. You think about cooler conditions, they got freezes and things like that, but they have been dry. And in the conversation I had yesterday, a guy was talking about, it's like, our grass is brown. I mean, it's like August already. And so, yeah, certainly the conditions up there are much, much more dire than what we have. Uh, Conversations were that uh, it doesn't look bad yet, but it's not going to take long for that that to turn. Um, uh, There's a fair amount of irrigation, so some of that's going on. Some product supply of irrigation supplies is going to be kind of, was kind of limited at that point, as the, the guy I was talking to. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're on this case of uh, it's on the edge if we don't get some rains all season long because they didn't get, from my understanding, the conversation I had uh, was they didn't get much of a recharge through their winter. They didn't get much snowfall. Uh, their spring and everything, so they're able to plant quickly, and, but they're just going to be a, a day or two away from a drought is kind of the way it sounded to me. And certainly when you look at the drought monitor map, I mean, it's it's red, it's orange across there, that being some of the worst uh, drought ratings possible. And so, yeah, they, they are right on the edge of something dropping off. And you think about the acreage over the last few years in the Dakotas, they've increased a large amount of acreage in terms of a corn and soybean crop. So it's not just their, their old traditional crops, but it's, it's within the same uh, wheelhouse of what we're talking about corn and soybeans today. And Dan, out there in the Dakota, they, they went from frost to 100-degree weather very, very fast. That's, yeah, that can't be good. No, um, I've seen reports come out of Dakota that they were scouting frost damage in 100-degree heat. Um, so, you know, the difficulty they've had, those heavy temperature swings that we've been seeing, we've seen some of that in Indiana too, um, where we've seen kind of some corn coloration differential, um, but especially in those Dakotas, Northern Wisconsin, when it's Minnesota, where it got really warm early, a lot of folks planted heavily, they got in early and then it got really cold and now it's getting really warm again. Um, you know, I have a family in Michigan that farm, and, you know, my father-in-law farms in Michigan. Michigan is really dry. Um, they've gotten caught some rain as well, um, but we've been really fortunate where that rain patterns just kind of come across, you know, Kentucky, up in Indiana, hit Ohio, and it's just really missing uh, states like Wisconsin, uh, Michigan especially. We looked at the on the call yesterday um, the drought monitor map for Michigan and just how red, orange, just mm-hmm. how dry it is up in that state. And folks just getting ready for irrigation up there. Um, a lot of lawns are starting to burn up. You know, the crops, as far as what I can tell and what I've heard from up there, they look okay. Um, but just getting concerned where it could really start to dry up up there. Right. You, you think about that, though, where we just got done talking about our, our crop in a linear phase 
fast growth and development. And, I mean, they should be entering those same phases. So this is the point where you think about uh, the amount of water that is needed to support that crop. They've been able to be okay, and I haven't looked at the ratings, Eric, but I'm guessing they're they're fair, probably fair to good is how I put it, just guessing. But I would dare say that that's probably going to tail off because the water demand is so high, and if they're not getting it, it's we're going to have the, the rows of pineapple corn, right? We're going to have them all rolled up pretty soon. So, Iowa has been missing a lot of that rain as well. It's yes. It's just been tough up there. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time here this week on the Purdue Crop Chat Podcast. We thank you very much, and we'll do it again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. This has been Purdue Crop Chat, a regular series featuring Purdue Extension's Sean Castile and Dan Quinn. Thank you for joining us for Purdue Crop Chat today, moderated by Eric Pfeiffer, and a service of Purdue University Extension and Hoosier Ag Today. Timely, relevant, credible.